Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Give my ball and yard of grass. I'll give you a move for the perfect pass. Give my ball and yard of space. He'll give you a move with godly grace. again and welcome to episode 86 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Steve Pander. I guess with this being the, the 86th episode, we should maybe do a quick na-na-na-na, 86. I'll let you do that, you have a better voice. Yeah. We also have Predictor Pooch here with us today. You might hear him in the background because he's, he's, being, he's being as annoying as Robbie Keane when he doesn't get a decision going his way. <laughs> As you can hear there. Per- perfect timing. So apparently the off-season isn't over yet. We still have several months to, to go before we actually see some proper football again. But it's a busy time of year for the Whitecaps. We've got the expansion draft coming up next week. We had the dispersal draft, which is... I mean, that was exciting. Yeah. That I've not, never seen so many passes since the Canadian women's team went to the Roxy after that Olympic qualifier game. And... Monday, we've got a four-hour trade window, which does open up again after the expansion draft, but it could be a busy time next week. Yeah, the draft season is great in MLS. I'm just kind of, the envelopes was awesome with the expansion, uh, with the dispersal draft. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the pin the tail on the donkey draft, where they, whoever gets closest to the pinning the tail gets the first pick in the draft. That would be interesting. That, that and that'd be good TV as well, I think. Well, that that would only be if they if they kept it public. Because was it not? Was it Jeff Carlisle? I, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Jeff Carlisle from ESPN. No, no, no. It was uh, the guy from uh, Kansas City. I can't remember his yeah. name right now. It's the slipping one, but yeah. he, he slipped something out and then everybody was... He, he started to, to live tweet the draft yeah. and then he just went dead and everyone thought, is he dead? Yeah, and he, has he, has he been killed? <laughs> and then he had to delete all his tweets because yeah. apparently it was to be a secret, which... Which doesn't make sense oh, at it's, all. It's baffling. Yeah. But we've got a couple of big decisions coming up for the White Caps, and the first one really is who is Carl Robinson going to protect ahead of the expansion draft on Wednesday. Yeah, we'll be talking to him later on in the podcast, but obviously he's not going to tell us <laughs> who he's going to protect, so we might as well guess right now. Yeah, and we have a couple of slight disagreements. but yeah. Well, the the one's obvious ones, I think Pedro Morales is one. Yep. Uh, Matias Lava, the other co-MVP in a lot of people's mind. And then some guy, other guys, Gershon Kofi, Kendall Watson's an obvious one. Kakuta Mane, he just graduated from Generation Dita, so he's going to be in there. Then, then we get into the who you know it's it's not it's not too you know wishy washy, but it's, you're kind of guessing on whether these guys deserve it. David Elstead, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. I'm saying he 
big, big time went from the summertime where people thought, oh, you know, nobody's going to pick a goalie who's that high priced. But the way he played, uh, he should be protected just in case somebody wants him. Yeah, I think we definitely have to do that now. And then Darren Maddox, he's got trade value. He, he, he's not somebody that I think will be with the Whitecaps next year, but, you, you know, he's got trade value. Somebody will take him if, if he's available. Well, he, he's done well for Jamaica when he's been away in these games recently. So, I mean, that has put some value onto him as well. The other thing you have to look at is if they are looking to trade him, he could go before before, before the, the, draft. the draft even yeah. happens. But then what you've also got with that is whoever, if the Whitecaps trade for somebody, they're likely to then have to protect him. Exactly. So Darren Mattox or whoever he may be traded for. Yeah. And then uh, now the final four, um, this is where we're, we're kind of going back and forth on. I think Stephen Bettishore, I know he didn't have a great year, but... It, He's, I think a fullback is very hard to find in MLS, and I think maybe with if they do get that big striker, maybe he becomes more uh, valuable in sending in crosses and stuff like that to the box. So maybe he might be somebody that can... That can what do you think about Steve Bittershore? I don't know. I mean, you're, you're looking at the list of, of the guys that's left, and, and I mean, let's list the, the remaining four, because we've got Bettishore. Yeah, Johnny Leveron, we think. Well, you think? I think I. I just think that he's a young center back still. I know he, and he did have good spells, and he's Carl Robinson's guy, so that's why I think he gets protected. And then you've also got Jordan Harvey and Eric Curtado. Yeah, I think Jordan Harvey. Um, I think both of us were kind of last year weren't too sure about him, but I think this year the way he's been on and off the pitch, I think he's a class guy off the pitch. Yeah, and he's. I think he's greatly improved on the pitch as well. I think. There weren't those Jordan Harvey mistakes that we had in the past where it cost the team some goals. And, of course, he didn't score as many goals this year. It wasn't the goal machine like he is. But uh, I think he overall he had a solid season this year. And I, I love his facial hair, so yeah. I, I would protect him just for that reason. And then you got Hurtado. Yeah. Now, Hurtado is somebody I would protect, not necessarily because I, I, I'm keen to have him here next year. Although, as a depth striker, I think he maybe serves some purpose for the money he's on. But I do think if we leave him unprotected, he will get picked up. So he definitely has some value. Because he is a young player. Well, somewhat young. I think he's like 24, 25 now. But he is a domestic player. If the if the Whitecaps were to lose him, it'd be f- hard to find somebody in that mode where it's a young, cheap, domestic player. Um, that you And, he, and why, what's the point of replacing him when you already have somebody like that? True. I mean, that's, that's very true. And he has got the MLS experience now. Yeah. Whereas... Like Carroll could go to another strike in the draft, uh, you're going back to square one. Yeah. You haven't you haven't got that MLS experience. Now that leaves the people that we think might be unprotected. Yeah, there's there's nine players. About nine, yeah. You've got Andy O'Brien. Yeah, Andy O'Brien. The reason why, uh, correct me if you think this is wrong reasoning, but he is an older player. Right now, he's on a higher salary. If somebody does pick him up, maybe. Uh, the Whitecaps can do a deal with them and, you know, do like a Brian Ching kind of thing where they, you know, trade like, what, some allocation money to bring him back if somebody does take him. So that that could be an option there. I definitely can't see someone taking him up. As much as I, as I love O'Brien and he's a classy guy and I want him to stay and I want him to have a coaching role here, you can't see one of these teams or these teams selecting for another team picking a guy that's really in his last year of, of senior football. Yeah, And as you say, with the price as well. And then that brings us to another kind of veteran, Mauro Rosales. Yeah, and I think he's. He, if it wasn't an issue with his age, I think he'd definitely be one of the first people protected. But 
because of his age, because of his high ticket, although he can renegotiate to a lower salary, I think you got to take a chance and, and, and just make you know hope nobody picks him up. I think if somebody does get picked up, one of those two guys will be the first ones protected. Oh, yeah. But then another kind of older guy, Mary Bellucci. I think that there's a chance he could be picked by somebody, but I don't see it being a big loss for them. I think they could no. find somebody in that in that price range. I, I definitely off the waiver do. draft or yeah. whatever. I think he'll be unprotected, and I think he'll be one of the guys that will go uh, from the from the Whitecaps just because he has got the MLS experience. There are those injury concerns, but teams will will take the risk on him. So then the, we also have uh, three guys who obviously didn't play a minute. I don't think with the Whitecaps this year. Uh, Paulo Tornagi, the backup keeper. Uh, Andre Lewis and Diof from the, the draft pick from last year, they're all going to all be eligible as well for the draft. Yeah, I mean, all, all three of those guys, there's no way that they're getting protected. Um, we haven't seen Lewis and Diof, so we don't really know what they well, can do. We, but... Lewis did go viral with his flip True, in Victoria. True, when, so... when he did his face plant. Yeah. So we we did see him play live, <laughs> and we we got to see that, so that was fun. But I think I think with him, is it's, I know it's a first-round pick, and I th- I still think they should never have drafted him. You take away the fact that he's apparently owned by the Cosmos. I still don't think he was a great pick, but uh, I, I, I think you can risk losing him because how, where is he going to position? His position is attacking mid. You have Morales, and you have Bustos coming in. If Mesquita comes back, you got him too. So there's no real spot for Lewis. Lewis, I can't see getting picked up because of that whole who, injury who owns him. Yeah, and, and, injury and, and injury as well. Juf. Yeah. He could be a guy that would go. and He's an international still, I think. Yeah, unless he so picked up his green card last year. Pretty sure that he is an international, so that will count against him. But th- then we get to the big three decisions, really. Yeah. You've got the two Uruguayans. Yeah. Sebastian Fernandez, Nicolas Mosquita. Now, Mosquita, I, I, when I was doing these expansion lists on my own during the summer, I actually had him protected. He's the one who basically got taken out because of Ousted. Because of Ousted's rise in my in my list. I still think he, he did show some flashes last year, but I don't think he showed enough flashes where somebody's going to uh, use a pick to pick him one Orlando or New York. I don't think enough people know about him to warrant a pick from them. I'd, I'd be surprised if he went as well. I, I, I don't mind him coming back at all. I think he, I would like to see him back. Yeah. And I think he'll get more playing time in CCL or um, obviously with the USL Pro when Bustos might not be available. Now, Fernandez is the interesting one because he has scored some memorable goals in MLS this yeah. year. He has made an impact. Folk know about him. He's got the downside to him, which is he can't buy a penalty now to save his life because yeah. he, he's, he's got his reputation of going down so easily and then he faked the injury in Portland. Yeah. So he's a name that is known. So a lot of coaches might be prepared to take a risk on him, but he is technically on loan to MLS and to the Whitecaps. And I don't recall in an expansion draft where uh, uh, an expansion team picked a loan player. I could be wrong. Obviously, I don't follow them totally, all these expansion drafts, but I don't recall a loan player being bought. And also, those teams aren't, might not know how much the purchase price is for him, so it might be out of their price range as well. True. I kind of have a gut feeling, though, that Robinson might protect him at the expense of one of the fullbacks, Betasure or Harvey. I would rather keep one of those two of my choice, but that's fine. Then we, then we, team. Then we come to... That's true. <laughs> then we come to... Omar Salgado. Yeah, definitely I, not with the Whitecaps next year. No, from I mean, what he, he's, he's gone. Yeah. So it's a case. Is he going to be sold to Tigris in Mexico? That's where in the four case, hours. That's where the four hours basically come in. But if he's sold, that's fine. Yeah. If he's traded to another MLS team, if we get allocation money or a draft pick, 
that's fine as well. I don't think you'll get a roster player back for him. But if we do, then that's the problem because we're going to have to probably protect that roster player. It might, be a, mess, it might be a lesser player that they, they know nobody's going to pick so yeah. they, they, they can bring him in as a depth player. So that's a toughie as well because then if they can't, if they've got something lined up, they can't get it done. They are going to have to protect him. Yeah. And then again, that's possibly going to open up one of the fullbacks being let go. Yeah, and in that case, uh, they could make it. Like, there's always an option. Like we're talking about uh, losing the player, they could make de- separate deals with New York and Orlando to not have nobody take them. I remember one year. I can't remember what teams were selecting, but it was uh, maybe it was Vancouver Portland year the expansion draft where. Nobody from LA got picked, and LA had some Not decent talent. In yeah, the uh, maybe LA made those deals with Vancouver and Portland under the table, where they sent them money and with a promise not to pick anybody from their team. So that, that there is possibilities for that. There's a lot of, you know, Don Garber talking about like the people don't understand MLS rules and and, and, yeah. and the, the some of the media don't understand MLS rules obviously there's a reason because you're, yeah. you're so secretive with all this but when things. you when you're admitting that yeah then there's a, an issue the first step to get and help with the problem is admitting you have a problem so he's and admitted that now he's garbage has a problem that's our thoughts on the expansion draft so the trade window opens on Monday December the 8th from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Pacific time so Carl's going to have to be up early to get business done it's then closed again until after the expansion draft, which has taken place on Wednesday, December the 10th. can't remember what time it is, but they're expecting that to finish around 2 o'clock. Now, a quick question. I, maybe you heard of this. Um, maybe the listeners don't know. You're talking about a four-hour window, but they're able to talk before that four-hour window. Oh, yeah. Because so what, what basically the four- said before is they have to have all their ducks in a row. Yeah, so four, the four-hour window is basically just to... Uh, basically get the paperwork to uh, MLS office in, in order to process the deals and everything like that. Or if word gets out in the grapevine that a deal's going down, another team might try and, exactly. come in and get jump in. Yeah. Yep. So we'll see how that plays out. That's one of the big decisions ahead for Carl Robinson. It's been a, it's been a really good first year for Carl in charge of the Whitecaps. A lot of success. Cascadia Cup First ever Champions League spot for next season in the bag. Not via the Voyagers Cup, obviously, but at least they they are in the Champions League next year. And, of course, making the playoffs. So we spoke to to Carl Robinson this week just to to get his thoughts on the season past, his first season in charge off the Whitecaps, and how how he plans to spend the off-season and his plans for next year. So we're going to split this interview up into two parts. So the first part we're going to play just now is us having a chat to Carl just about the the season gone and how he has found his first year as Whitecaps boss. Here's Carl Robinson. A year ago, when you're in a hotel in Surrey and you're waiting to hear if you're going to get your get get the position or not, to like a year down the line, you've just come back from South America and you've had a really successful first season. At the end of the season, you described it as interesting, your first year. Having had a couple of yeah. weeks now for it all to sink in, 
What, what's your thoughts now on your first season? It was a it was a good season. I think it was there was a lot of uh, high moments. There was a lot of low moments as well, uh, which I managed to keep a curb on. I didn't get too excited when we won um, games, and I didn't get too beat up when we lost games. And I think that's important in any young manager. You need to do that because you're going to go through peaks and valleys. And you know, it, it has been a whirlwind twelve months. I have to say, from getting the position to trying to build a roster try and bring some players in that I thought were of the right standard, letting players go, uh, and being competitive. And with all that, you know, it has been a very enjoyable season. But I'm open to admit I've made mistakes at times, I've made decisions wrong, um, but I know which ones I've made wrong and I know which ones I'll learn from. So, you know, that's why it's uh, the second year is going to be even more interesting. When, when you look at everything that happened in the off-season, like you, you came at the club, Darren had just done his interview, yeah. and then the whole Camilo thing that dragged on for weeks, and then you pick Andrew Lewis in the draft, and the, the Cosmos, yeah. was right. did you ever at any point stop and think, what am I doing? What, yeah, what have I come into here? <laughs> yeah, a few times. Um, no, listen, it was an opportunity that I didn't want to turn down, and you know I wanted to make the most of it, and you know, with being in football, being in this game for a number of years as a player, a player coach and an assistant coach, nothing surprises me in this game, it really doesn't. And I think what happened was I got thrown in at the deep end from day one and I had to deal with things uh, with the club in, in certain situations and I probably learned the hard way, but it was probably the most uh, interesting, best way to learn by dealing with it all at once uh, because it did seem to be one thing after another in the early part of the season. You were talking about things that you've learned in, in, during the season. What, is there one particular thing that you could, that really stands out to you that you've learned from and how it, it will affect you going forward in the coaching? Yes, Montreal away. We just come, we just had a, a break, I believe, and we come back and uh, Montreal at home, sorry, we played Montreal at home and I decided to go with three quick guys Darren, Eric and Kakuta in that game because they were bottom of the league and they were playing with low on confidence. You know, we'd done very, very well prior to that game and I thought, let's get after them and, you know, let's hit them with a lot of pace. Uh, not on the break, but just get after them. Uh, looking back in hindsight, I should have done it the other way. I shouldn't have played my three quick guys. I should have played more inventive players, whether it was Mosquito, whether it was Fernandez in the wider areas, because all Montreal did, Frankie Klopas come, was sat back on the edge of his box with Matteo Ferrari and I think Heath Pierce, and they managed to soak up and not give us any space. Uh, for me, being excited to try and put the three quick guys in the team was, was a bad decision by me, um, because I should, should have known that they would have come and sat back and made it very difficult for us, and it was a game that we nearly lost in the end. You know, David came up with a big save from Jack McInerney, and you know, I'll know now opposition and what they'll come and do because the LA's, the Seattle's, the Portland's, they come in and they have a go at us. You know, the teams in the in the lower part of the table, the Chivas, the Colorado's the, of last year, San Jose's and the uh, Montreal's sit back. So I've got to be better in my decision making in with my team in relation to that. Was there, uh, you were talking about high points and low points, uh, speaking about the low points, what was the low point for you and how did you get this team or was it the players that got you guys out of the funk or uh, can you speak to that? Yeah, I think one of the low points was obviously uh, we played Portland at home and it was a very close game, uh, Get first half was probably next to nothing, there was not much in the game, high on intensity, emotion and passion and the second half come out and we conceded a very bad goal uh, with 10 men on the pitch and Pedro was being off, off it, getting treatment. And 
Then we chased the game for 20 minutes and made some one or two adjustments and Marrow and Darren had very good chances to equalise and then we got caught on the sucker with the sucker punch and conceded two goals and lost 3-0 at home to a bit of rivals and I remember people saying to me at the time that fans had walked out the ground with 10 minutes to go and they were upset and that was probably one of the most disappointing games for me because I don't think we played very badly, I think we played worse in games throughout the year but the way the game happened with all the emotion and the build-up uh, we didn't get a luck, we didn't get any breaks in that game and I think that was a tough one for me to take and then a couple of weeks later we went to Portland and again I think we, we battered them for 25 minutes in their backyard couldn't score which was the story of our season for a number of games um, then they scored with their first opportunity and then you know moving on from that Matty Labba makes one of probably three three mistakes he's made throughout these 30 plus games and they score and it's game over so in a short space of time we've lost 3-0 both times to Portland um, but it was nice that we beat him by a point in the end Now don't want to dwell too much in the past but just to yeah. kind of put this to bed yeah. was there anything you could have done that would have kept Camilo here? No No I tried my very hardest uh, but no there was nothing at all not even probably £5 million pounds could have kept Camilo here but one one star leaves. Yep. Let's you bring another one in. Pedro comes in. Wins newcomer of the year this morning. I know you've talked about this a lot already this season, but just what has he meant to this team? I think he's meant everything. I think he, when I took the job in January, I wanted to try and bring in a a true number ten. You know, I've been in this league a number of years, and the players that make a difference are attacking players, obviously goal scorers, and also uh, creative players. You know. The, the Dwayne De Rosario of, of the Houston and the DC Uniteds and then the Federico Higuains of the Columbuses, the Thierry Henrys, the Robbie Kings, special players. And I wanted to bring a special player in. And You know, we haven't got the money to spend that a lot of the other teams have got. So we need to go and do our homework and we need to look at what's available for the best price and who I think would fit into, this, into the team that we could build a team around. And Pedro was the guy that I wanted. You know, he was, he was at Malaga. He was in and out of the team under Bernd Schuster. Uh, I knew he was a great guy, um, but his attributes that he had as a player were what I wanted. You know, a deep lying playmaker who could play higher up the field or lower uh, and make final passes. And I think he's shown this year, you know, credit to him for winning Newcomer of the Year. It's a fantastic achievement for him and the club. It really is. But I know he can do more. You know, he didn't score one free kick last year, which disappointed me. You know, he didn't score enough goals from open play, which disappointed me. So, He's still got a lot more to give, and I, I hope that comes next year. When, when you bring a player like that in, you obviously hope he's going to have like a big impact, but did you think it would be as instant? Like You bring him on as sub in the first game, yeah. he has that performance, and he just goes on that run. I hoped, as all managers do, uh, that they bring their designated players in and they're successful. Um, I think he, he hasn't surprised me, but it's been, it's been pleasing how well he's adapted to the league. I think he's adapted to the responsibility as well. You know, he wants to be, he's a player that you need to put your arm around his shoulder, you need to talk to him. I remember the first day that uh, back at UBC that I pulled him in because it was a, it was a very big day when we were in, in Portland last year and we managed to secure Matty Laba and Pedro Morales near enough on the same day. Fantastic bit of business from the club and for me, bringing in two designated players of that quality and I think they showed, proved their worth. Um, after that tournament which we won which was nice because it's always nice to win in Portland then bringing Pedro back into the UBC training ground and 
sitting him down in my office and asking him about his family, his wife, and you know he was very nervous in the, in the coach's office. And I had to say to him, why is he not speaking? His reply was, he's not used to being in the manager's office because in the, the period of time that he was at Malaga, he was never in Bernd Schuster's office and he never spoke to him, which I found bizarre because a fantastic player. You know, I'm sure he's a fantastic manager as well, but I want to be a man manager uh, of my players. And, you know, it was, an, it was the first meeting that I knew that how to get the best out of Pedro was to speak to him and communicate with him on a, a number of times during the week, good and bad. You know, when he needs to kick up the backside, he certainly got it. When he needed an arm around his shoulder, he got it. But he felt that he was a big part of this team by me having communication with him. So that was an important day as well. Pedro, he, he although, you, like you said, he didn't play too much in Malaga, but he was still like you know with the team and everything since September of last year and then yep. coming straight to the team this year. That's about 15, 16 straight months. And he obviously wore down a little bit as the season went on. With his like that one break you've told him to take now. Yeah. Um, what do you expect of him next year? What are the fans? What should the fans expect of him next year? I think exactly the same and a little bit more. It, you know, he was knackered at the end of the season. It's it's fair for me to use that word. I don't swear too much, but he was absolutely shattered. He was dead on his feet, and I think you saw that in the last game against Dallas. You know, he was trying to give his all. He was getting a little bit frustrated because he had nothing left in the tank, uh, which is why I substituted him and. I expect more from him next year uh, and I met him down in Santiago um, because I was down there on <laughs> some recruitment plans and you know I had a good conversation with him and I said I need, I need a little bit more out of you next year and that's the standards I'm putting and he expects them as well he said he's already had a break and he's back into his, his training already I've said to him to just relax on it because I need him to have a big rest because we've got a lot of games next year for the Champions League and the ACC so uh, he'll be a big player for us next year and you know, he'll be the captain of the football club as well which is a big responsibility for him and it's one that I'm you know, the captain is the, the leader of the team but also a mark of what the manager's about and he fits that perfectly for me So it's the first part of our chat with Carol. We're going to have more from him shortly. One of the things we talked about there, Pedro Morales, MLS Newcomer of the Year, and by a landslide yeah. as well. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And Carol talked there about the importance of Pedro to the team. We've discussed this a lot before. But I mean, what's your thoughts of Pedro from last year? Oh, fantastic. Uh, he basically saved the team. If it wasn't for him, I, I think don't think this is a playoff team or even close. It could be one of the worst teams if it wasn't for him. Um, he contributed to over 50% of the goals uh, directly, whether, whether it was an assist or a goal. I, I think it was invaluable. I think it was a great pickup. And, you know, you were, you were talking about, uh, you know, his, you know, continuous play from the September to the end of the MLS season. Can you imagine what he could be when he has, uh, you know, a full offseason to relax and re- rest and recover? I mean, that, that's the big question. Can he get better next year? with the rest have we seen the best of Pedro is he going to be at that level constantly how's he going to to settle I mean he's a little bit more used to with all the travel and stuff still a lot of questions and a lot of unknowns do you think they should take the captaincy away from him 
take, can I just let him concentrate on I the game? So. I think so. I think I know he's the best player. The captaincy was obviously Jay Demerits, and you know because of the injury and because of his retirement halfway through the season, it was just thrust upon Pedro. I think they need to probably give it to somebody else. But who? But with such a young team, who do you really give it to? Obviously, an option is David Ousted. I, I like Ousted, and he's as very choice. vocal afterwards too. Yeah, very. Another one. It, it, he's a, obviously been here the shortest amount of time, but Kendall Waston might be a nice captain. But do you really want to, you know, with him his starting his first full year? Do you really want to bother him with a captaincy as well? But well, they've also they've talked about how Russell Tiber is a future captain of the club, but but he's going to get playing time. That's yeah, the problem with him. Where do they have fit him as him captain in? just now? Because yeah. you don't know if he's going to play. He needs to be an every time everyday starter. So what what are you expecting from Pedro next year? How how do you think he's going to perform? I I will because his first year was so in line with Diego Valeri's first year. I'm hoping that he becomes something what Diego Valeri was this year and it continues on with that. I don't. Hopefully, with a better striking force, you don't need too many goals. But hopefully, he's able to provide those strikers with more opportunity to score, and maybe his assists go up and his goals maybe go down a little bit because they don't need the goals from as much. Uh, like Diego Valeri this year was an MLS All Star Eleven, I think, or something like that, whatever they call it. So maybe Pedro gets into that mold where he can approach that. I think a lot is going to be determined as well on who Carroll brings in to play around him yeah. because. He needs to have help. He had it with, with Mauro Rosales, but he wasn't really clicking at that time. If Mauro Rosales had been here at the start of the year when Pedro was on fire, I would love to have seen what, what that was. So if Pedro can start the season on fire and you've got someone like Mauro and a striker to bury these chances, this could be a very, very exciting team. Now, off the uh, Pedro Morales, but I would just want to talk... Uh, I, I saw on Twitter a lot about Jermaine Jones... A lot of people question how could he finish second when he only played 620 minutes. Clearly, those people have not watched New England play because the main reason they're in the final this uh, now and the main reason why I think they lost one game out of their last 10 or 12 or whatever it was, I can't remember the record. But since he's joined the team, he has totally solidified that team. And I think he definitely, despite only playing just over 600 minutes, definitely deserves to be one of the top three or four of the newcomer of the game. And, and second place, I have no problem with that at all. Yeah, I, I thought he was fantastic for New England. And, I mean, New England's done well with him. Charlie Davies as well was in fire coming back to to the form that we saw from him in years past. So, I mean, Jones was a great addition. And, yeah, he deserved to be nominated for, for Newcomer of the Year. Yeah. So, as we said, a, a lot of what's going to happen with Pedro is going to depend on who Kyle Robinson brings in. So let's get to the second and final part now for chat with, with Robbo. And we're going to look at what he's going to be up to in the off-season and what fans can expect from the 2015 Whitecaps. The South American influence on the team, it's been massive this year. Yeah. Um, you've been down at Uruguay because obviously things get tweeted yeah, out and stuff. Yeah. Was it just Uruguay and Chile or were you able to go to some other places? Well, there's no secrets in this game, Michael, is it? As you obviously know, and I uh, do try and keep things quiet. I went to Uruguay and Chile. Martin was in Colombia, Brazil, uh, Argentina. 
so we covered a lot of different countries, we covered a lot of different players, so um, number of players on the radar, number of players that we've identified that be, have been identified to us, um, and it's going to be an ongoing process with relation to that. A lot depends on what we can do financially, a lot depends on what happens in the expansion draft, the re-entry draft and things like that, um, but no, the South American influence has been massive for us this year, and I just done an interview there and spoke about what's an important ingredient in any player I bring into this club, and it's got to be hunger. You know, they've got to have a hunger and a desire to get better. We've all got our goals in life and, you know, things that we want to achieve, but sometimes the European players coming over have had everything for them, have achieved a lot at such a young age, and then coming into Major League Soccer, maybe feel they don't have enough, uh, enough to prove. The South Americans are not like that. You know, they've got everything to prove on a, on a fantastic stage, and that's why I think the, the influence has been very good here this year. And, you know, it's a great market. It really is. You know, will I be playing 11 South American players? No. But, you know, if there's a talented player that's got the hunger, the desire, the mentality to get better and make our team better, then he will certainly be bought in. Other than the hunger, um, is there a specific thing about maybe their game that makes uh, MLS a good league for South Americans? I think most South Americans are technically fantastic. You know, you've seen that with us. You know, they've got to have a, an ability about their play. They've got to fit into a style and a system. You know, what I've learned from going down to uh, Montevideo in Santiago is that whatever type of player you want, whether it's big, small, athletic, tricky, uh, quick, goal scorer, you can find anything you want there. But you've got to be willing to do the work. You know, the first weekend I was down in Montevideo, I saw six games over the weekend which was incredible, six games, and, you know, I didn't speak to my wife once during that time, and she probably thought I was out, uh, but I was at six games, and it was five league games on at certain times, and the, the distance between them is not too bad, so we were hopping from one stadium to another, and I, I saw an under-19 game as well, so it's important you do your work when you're away, and, you know, excuse me if I look a little bit tired at the moment, because I'm trying to catch up. It works out on radio, don't worry okay. about it. <laughs> A lot of people are talking about the striker position. Yeah. That's one of the clearest needs. Other than that, is there a position that you're looking at to maybe strengthen during the off-season? I'm, I'm looking at all areas, if I'm totally honest, because you've always got to be looking to try and strengthen. We've got a, very, we've got a lot of very, very good, talented players, uh, core guys, you know, but we are missing one or two players. And, you know, I don't think it's a rocket, it takes a rocket scientist to reveal what sort of areas we're looking at. You, know, you mentioned the centre forward there, particular. You know, we will be trying to bring in one, maybe two, and see what happens. And you know, other areas we will look at as well. Because if I think I can upgrade in certain positions with certain personnel, then I'll be looked to, look to try and do deals. But I don't want to dismantle this team. The team done very well for me last year. I've got a lot of confidence in a lot of the guys here, and you know, I think they can get better. They know they know how I want to work now. A year under my belt, a year under their belt, and. You know, we're just pushing the, the, the barrier really on what we want to do because I don't want to be coming in next year and trying to sneak in the playoffs. You know, that's not the expectation I want for the group. I want to be trying to push and, you know, it hurts me watching semi-finals of Western and Eastern Conference games and we're not being part of it. So that'll just drive me on a little bit more. Next Monday you've got an initial four-hour window to get yeah. some trades done. Yeah. Do you envisage the club being busy in that time and do you have your ducks in a row all ready to go yeah no listen there's always ongoing talks with that you know I'm sure I'm sure if you ask any manager they'll say that they might, they've probably got three, four, five, six, one, two trades lined up you know we've spoken to a number of teams about certain players to maybe look at the possibility of doing that whether any of that will come off because 
you know, the, the difficulty a lot of teams have is they can only protect 11 players. So do they take the risk of leaving their players, the other players exposed in the expansion and risk for losing them for nothing? Or do they try and now trade their player uh, to try and get something for them, knowing that they might lose them anyway? It's a risk that you've got to weigh it up, whether it's apples or oranges. And I think there'll be, there's a lot of talk going on at the moment about what's the right thing to do. There isn't a right way to do it. It's a risk either way. Uh, we'll look at what we feel is best for our club and what I think is best for me as a manager. And you know, what I won't do is I won't move anyone on if I haven't got a replacement lined up. You know, I think that's fair to say. So if if we do make a trade or something happens, then you know that there'll probably be something else following very soon. So as of right now, I know you won't tell yeah. us who they are, but as of right now, do you have your eleven in your head that you're going to protect? More or less, I do. Yeah. Um, you know, it has changed a number of times from a number of phone calls I've received, and you know, we're trying to sit down with a number of guys and talk to them about can we renegotiate certain contracts and deals, and so it might change slightly. But I've got more or less the, the ten, eleven guys that I want to protect, and I will protect. I'm going to go back to the transfer uh, thing yeah. again. Um, now, obviously, you can't name names and uh, current players. Yeah. But is there a type of player that you've played with or from the past that would really fit with the Whitecaps, um, you know, with what you're looking for? Uh, I joke joke all the time and I say, Robbie Keane. Robbie Keane gets you 15 goals and 15 assists every season. And I think if we had that this year, we'd be in the top two or three in the conference. And Robbie Keane costs 4.7 million a year. So, you know, that's probably not going to happen. Um, the way I want to play with the two systems or three systems that we might use next year is the 4-2-3-1, the 4-4-2 diamond, um, and maybe the 4-3-3 in a slight adjustment as well. You know, we're going to need options in that forward area. You know, we've got a lot of pace in that area. Um, we haven't got a big guy. We haven't got a target guy. Um, that's something that we need to look at. But, and we need a goal scorer. So there are a number of players. Maybe Diego Costa. There you go. That's the perfect guy that I want, a stereotype of him. So if you can find one of them, let me know. At a cheaper price, obviously. <laughs> a lot cheaper price, yes. Darren Maddox has really had a good performance recently with Jamaica. Yeah. A lot of people are speculating that he could be one of those guys out to make room for another striker coming in. Yeah. Um, has his recent performances made you know, kind of changed that uh, in your mind? Obviously, you can't speak of whether he's yeah. going or not. But no. Has it made you reevaluate no, or you knew how he that's was? That's just shown me uh, how good a player Darren is. I know that from working with him firsthand and... You know, as always, we have a, a lot of phone calls about our players. Darren is one of a number of young players that I always get regular calls on. It's not surprised me that he's done well for Jamaica. You know, I think it's important he does do well for his country and score goals. You know, but um, you know, time will tell. You know, I can't tell you either way because football, 24 hours is a long time in football. You know, I'll tell you I'm going to keep one player and suddenly then tomorrow a bid comes in from a, a different club and I sell him and then you guys think I'm lying to you. And one thing I don't do is lie. So... You know, he, he's one of a talent, a group of talented player, young players we've got at the club. Apart from the South American influence, young players was the, the big yeah. focus this year. Now, six of them have just been over in the UK doing training stints. Uh, Sam got an assist with Liverpool part of the reserves yesterday. What's the feedback that you've had from from the clubs on the guys that you've sent over? Well, the reason why I sent them over is because I want to get them to get a bit of experience of being out of their comfort zone. I'm not sending them over there to try and sell them. I'm not sending them over there to uh, do anything else rather than make them realise what it's like at, at a certain level with a certain type of player. I sent th three guys to Rangers. Obviously, the relationship I have with Kenny and Ali McCoist is, is very strong. I knew Kenny would look after them. Uh, it's wet, it's cold, as you know, Michael, in Scotland. Uh, 
the training facility is fantastic, um, and it's a proper club. You know, who's gone through financial difficulties, so you know that I wanted them to see what that was like. You know, fantastic tradition of football club, and they've seen it. They didn't realise how big a club it was when they first went, but after seeing the trophy room and after seeing a game and Kenny looking after them, they realise now what. And they're not even in the Premier Division in Scotland, but they will hopefully. Yeah. This hopefully um, <laughs> so you know, I sent boys there to get them out of their comfort zone a little bit, and it worked. And uh, I sent three guys to Derby because. Derby have got one of the best Category 1 academies um, in England. I know Chris Evans, who's the head of recruitment there, who was my first youth team coach at Wolverhampton Wanderers, who's now working under Steve McLaren. Obviously, we've got a relationship with, with Mr. Mallet, Jeff Mallet, the owner. Um, so it was easy for us to then send three talented young players to go there to see what they're like in the under-21 group, which is a fantastic group of players at Derby. From that, then, obviously, Christian and Sam have both gone on to Liverpool, and Sam, I think, has let everyone know he got an assist uh, by tweeting out a picture or something. Um, he's a kid. He's a kid. He's excited. And, you know, from Rangers to Liverpool, you know, it's a different environment again. And you've got 40 professional players. You know, here in MLS, I carry a small group of players and the majority of them are going to be involved most games. In Liverpool, there's 40 players. Suddenly, it's not as comfortable as you think it might be because if you ask every young player what they want to do and they want to go and play for Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal, they don't realise that there's a process and a procedure of how you get there and the steps you need to take. And you know, it's certainly been an eye opener for them. Um, but they've done themselves a lot of good there because I've had regular feedback from the head of recruitments there. Um, you know, uh, especially at Liverpool. You know, they come back and said they've been very productive and. You know, it's important because I'll sit down with the young guys in pre-season and give the, give the feedback that I've got from the head of recruitments at both clubs, from Ali McCoyst, a legend, as you know, um, what he thinks about each player, strengths and weaknesses, and I'll be up front with the young players. They might not like it in some cases because there's areas they need to improve on, but they're going to get better, which they all want to, and they've all got their goals, and they're going to have to accept it. And think that's an important part of their development as well to realise when they're out of their comfort zones how do they react, do they go quiet, do they take the responsibility, do they roll their sleeves up because you know we're developing players as well as developing people and I think that's an important part of it as well There's been like uh, good things and bad things with the young people developing in, yeah. at this club um, I'm not going to go with specific names but how important is it for young players to realise themselves that they can't be handed playing time, they have to earn it how, like for their own future, for, forget the club and yeah. their future, for their own future, how important is it for them to realise that? Well, when I have my first team talk in January, you can come into my uh, meeting and explain that to them as well, because I say that to them every single day. They've, got, they've not got a divine right to play in my team. They will get the chance if they've earned it. Sometimes some, some of them think that they're better than they are, or they're ahead of where they are in progression, and... Um, where they think they are on their paths some listen to their agents that they're superstars already and some of them haven't even played a first team game so I'm fortunate enough that I've been there and I've done it I've got the cap and I've seen what it takes to wear it um, so I give them my advice but unless it's down to them and they realise that they've got to put the work in to get the rewards out some will progress quicker than others because some will get it quicker than others um, but no one's got a divine right. And that, that goes across the board, whether it's a young player or a senior player. If you're a senior player, if you're not putting the work in, you don't play. And that's the reality of it. And that's why I said there's no one person in my team. It's a team. You know, Pedro Morales wins the award today, which is fantastic for him. But without the rest of the 20-odd players, Pedro doesn't win that award. 
and I said that to him in Santiago um, that it's important he remembers that which I think then he'll reach out to his teammates and say thank you very much because without them he wouldn't have won that award You said you don't want to be a team that scrapes into the playoffs No What can fans expect from the 2015 White Cups? Yeah just uh, same again exactly not definitely all the same again but the same sort of style I want to play in a certain way I want to get better I want to try and build a little bit more I want to have a little bit more possession I want to score a lot more goals you know I, I analysed it on my long flight to uh, Montevideo what was the difference between us and Seattle you know and three or four different pages in my book later on I've come to the same theme 25 goals if we score 25 more goals you know we're in the playoffs comfortably and we're fighting and we'll probably get a home game so somehow I need to now uh, within my roster building plans find 25 goals from somewhere because you know it doesn't you know is it going to cost you a fortune to do it well it might cost you a little bit of money is, is it going to cost us 6 million on two players which we can't do anyway yes but no um, so there's ways of doing it I've got to do it in a strategic way with the, with the help of the club and the organisation um, but there's got to be a plan in place and 25 goals that's my biggest outlook on how I can improve this team next year continue doing what we've done continue building continue playing the way we want to individually be better collectively be better but find 25 goals from different areas of the field because if we would have got 20 goals this year then we would have had a home playoff game so that's what you can expect 20 goals more well, let's hope so. Thanks so much for doing this, okay. girl. Have a great Christmas, and we'll talk to you in the new year. Thanks, James. Thanks. I'm Carl Valentine, Vancouver 86's legend. You're listening to episode 86 of the AFTN podcast. So listening to Carl there, I mean, you just want the 2015 season to start. It's going to be it's going to be such an exciting and such an interesting season. You've got the two new teams coming in. And to me, they both look like they're going to be strong contenders in the East. Yeah. I mean, Orlando and, and New York are... They seem to be streets ahead of where, like Montreal were and Portland and Vancouver were, and being prepared for coming into Major League Soccer. Well, de- designated player wise, they definitely are. They've they've signed some top players. Uh, you don't know exactly how the USL Pro players are going to, um, you know, elevate or how many people they're going to keep and everything like that. So it'll be interesting to see that. Um, New York, I think. I think we talked about another podcast. Maybe um, they're just going to basically be Manchester City. Uh, a lot of low knee players that are all of a sudden being paid only forty five thousand dollars a year for the yeah. for the, the MLS, and then the the parent club will take the rest care of the rest of the salary. So I mean, MLS is it's in a good state football wise just now. I mean, I thought the playoffs were really exciting this yeah. year, and the second legs of both conference finals were fantastic viewing. I mean, New York, New England. That some folk didn't like that game. I thought it was an excellent game. It was end to end stuff. New York were in the lead for a while, then you had New England coming back, and then with the away goals rule, one more goal would have tipped New York back over. Yeah. So, I mean, that was exciting. And they did it without uh, Wright Phillips as well, who yeah. was suspended, which is amazing. And I mean, that that was great stuff. And New England have been a class team in the East and in MLS this year, yeah. and deservedly, I think, came out of the, 
the East and, and got into the MLS Cup. Then in the West, LA Seattle. And you were down for that game yeah, too. Yeah, it's like I was down covering the game from an LA point of view for, for MLS. And when Seattle went 2 0 up, the stadium was rocking. It was mm-hmm. bouncing. The noise was immense. The press box was shaking just from folk jumping up and down. Then it went so quiet. When, it was fantastic when LA scored. Yeah, Janino, I think, right? Scored. Janino, yeah, yeah. edge of the box. First goal in 43 matches. Wow. And what a time to come up with that. Yeah. Sets up, of course, that kind of Landon Donovan's final game, home MLS Cup final. I, I, in the article I wrote for, for MLS, I said it's like almost a perfect Hollywood ending. But if that was in a movie, you'd find it kind of far-fetched. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> it could be a little bit... Maybe it is... That's a perfect way to describe it, considering it is MLS and yeah. what they would want to do happen. Could be um, a big anti-climax yeah. for them as well. Because I, I, I have a, I think a lot of people might be going thinking, looking at LA, but New England can't be like trifled with at all. They have to be. Considered I think they're going to go of, there with no th- fear. Yeah, they have to be considered like, the way they're they're playing, the way they can attack, the way they don't have to worry about the back end because you had Jermaine Jones, you got uh, Gonzalez there, and and. You know the the back four on Andrew Farrell. Those guys they all attack and they all defend really well. Like I'm, I'm saying they're going to go there with no fear. That is a problem I think when a lot of teams go down to LA. Yeah. They sit back, they play too tight, they they play scared, and I don't think the Revolution's going to do that. I fancy them to win. Now they did go. They, you talk about no fear, but they did go. And New England has gone to LA this year, and they did not have a great performance, five one. Um, obviously it was before Jermaine Jones was there and you were saying it's, it was during a bad spell they were having. Yeah, they were just having a bad run of, of times. I was in July, they'd gone on a bad spell. So I don't think we can take too much from that. I think it's a different New England team that we're seeing now. Yeah, and the conditions I think will be, I think it's, I, I believe it's been in rain, raining in yeah, California. It's, it's and they been, say it's going to continue yeah. on to the weekend. Maybe it'll clear up just for the game or so. So what, what's your prediction for the final? Is it going to be a record-breaking win for for LA, or are the Revolution going to go there and and spoil Donovan's goodbye? It's hard for me to predict, but I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go against the grain. I'm gonna say two one New England. I I think I'm gonna agree with you. Actually, I'm, I'm gonna go for a New England win. I'm gonna go for two one, but I think that might come uh, after extra time. Yeah, but it's gonna be a good game. I'm I'm really expecting a good game and really looking forward to it. So before we close up the show, as Steve mentioned, I was down in Seattle for the the LA Western Conference final on Sunday. So I'm going to play some audio that I got now. So we're going to hear a little bit from the LA side. We're going to hear from Bruce Arena, Landon Donovan, Robbie Keane, Omar Gonzalez and the goal-scoring hero, Janinho. Regrets are not the right word, but what's your feeling of dancing with us? Technically, with I don't really care. We lost here two years ago too, didn't we? Yeah. I didn't. I didn't make the rules, you know. <laughs> Just as long as you advance. Yeah, the whole objective is to advance and get to the MLS Cup final, and we've accomplished that. And now we're going to have a, a real battle on our hands. I think we're playing Sunday, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> With the away goals rule being in effect, how did that approach your game plan going into? To, to well, we tried to. We came here to try to win the game. We didn't want to sit back, and uh, and we didn't. We came out and, and we were very aggressive. But uh, obviously, you know, you know what the rule is, and an away goal was important. Obviously, uh, shutting Seattle out last week in the first leg 
was a big factor as well. It really seemed to mean, we were seeing a lot more celebrations. It really seemed to mean a lot to these guys. Just to... Well, we, you know, uh, to get this result and, and be in a final at home is important. So, you know, we're proud of that. And uh, again, we got a we got a long week ahead of us to try to get our team recovered and ready to play a very very good New England team. Did experience won this game? Experience is a factor. We've been through this a lot this year, and uh, and you know I, I think we've gotten better in the second half of the season to protect leads and, and did a good job tonight. Now this isn't your first MLS Cup, obviously. Does it still mean as much to you? Do you still get as excited as the first couple of times that you won it? Yes. Yes. And overall, in your whole experience, how good is this team compared to the other teams that you've taken there? Don't know yet until we get through this this final game. Then then we'll be able to, uh, you know, summarize what we think about this team and other teams. But uh, you know, uh, they have an opportunity, to, you know, to be the MLS champion. So uh, we look forward to that challenge. And again, we know it's going to be a tough game. <laughs> we haven't won anything yet, so. This is just another step along the way. The first part was the Salt Lake Series and now Seattle. Um, nobody's had to do it harder than we have. These are two very, very good teams to beat the best or to beat the best team during the regular season uh, in a series like this. Very difficult. And now we get one game at home to, to win a championship. So if anybody had um, said at the beginning of the year that that was that was the opportunity. We'd take it in a heartbeat, and we're going to go with everything to win it. Given the hard-fought battles between these two teams, does it mean a little bit more to advance against the Sounders and considering, you know? Well, it's special for us. This, this is a very good team. This is um, a very good organization, I think, along with us and a couple others. They're the, the top organizations in the league, and the way they do things is first class. Their fan base is first class. They have talented players all over the field. They have top players all over the field but um, we're a team full of champions and winners and and that's what separates us and we're very proud of of that fact um, it, it's you know some days it's it's the guys you expect and other days it's the guys you don't and that's what champions do did the thought cross your mind at halftime that hey i got 45 minutes left in my career if we don't get this thing going yeah it did it did and i wanted to make sure that Regardless of the outcome, that I, I just put it all in, and um, it worked out well. The patience and determination you talked about as champions to withstand the storm. Can you talk a little bit about that as a collective? We have a lot of guys here who have won in their career, and um, you know that's that's a big advantage over a lot of other teams, including Seattle. They don't have a ton of guys that have won a lot of championships. We know how to win in in any scenario, and. Um, that's what we pride ourselves on. And we're not always perfect. We know that. But at the end of the game, I look up and in the 90th minute, Robbie Keane's in our penalty area defending and clearing balls out of the box. And uh, not a lot of other teams have players that do that and put in that kind of commitment to the cause. And that's why that's why we are where we are. Spring is nice. almost done. Can you talk a little bit about that, your whole career coming up? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sort of just in this right now, in this moment. And so... Um, I, I just want to prepare myself for one last week and do everything I can to help this team win. I, I really want to go out a champion. Physically, how are you feeling? Great. When you announced your retirement, could you have envisaged going out in a bigger game, a, a home MLS Cup game? It seems perfect, yeah, but um, we got to win it. So that's, that's our challenge, and we're, we're playing a team that's 
I think, the best team in the league the last probably 10 or 12 games, so it's going to be a challenge. Thoughts on New England? Good team. Very good team. Technically very, very good. Some clever players, so by no means it's going to be an easy game. It doesn't matter if we're playing home or not. This is a final. Anything can happen. We just have to make sure we're ready for it and, you know, treat this treat these, this team with, with the respect that they deserve because, you know, they've been absolutely fantastic, uh, you know, this year. So it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be, a, I'm sure, an entertaining game and, and something for everybody to look forward to. The Galaxy has sort of made a habit of being in the Evans Cup Finals a nighttime team history, four times in six years. Um, how much of an asset is that experience, that sort of culture winning? Um, it's everything. Once you start winning, uh, everyone knows the feeling. Everyone wants it more. Everyone wants another ring, another championship. When are we going to get the next one? We failed last year, so next year is our next year where, where we're going to put it all together. And we were upset with our shortcomings last year. We fought hard to get to where we are right now. And we have a great locker room. I mean, just amazing guys in the locker room that, that, you know, guys around the team can really feel that that's the reason why we're getting the wins when we need them because we have such good chemistry. And, um, you know, but it's not over yet. Uh, we're happy we're going to another MLS Cup, excited. And uh, we know that we're facing a tough New England team who turned it around in the middle of the year. Jermaine Jones has been instrumental to, to their turnaround. Lee Wynn has been amazing MVP candidate. Uh, and so it's going to be a tough game, and we have a good week to get prepared, and it's going to be another tough game. With next week being London's last game, how, it's going to be a bit of a circus. So how do you keep yourself focused and not avoid that being a distraction? Well, you know, like the last question, um, when you become a championship team, you know, you have – world-class players and have you know saying that we have we we've had David Beckham and the last time we won it we sent him off when he was going to retire and so it was a circus then and we know how to handle it we know how to get past that we know how to put the focus on the field um and Land is a, a true professional we've all seen it throughout his career and we want to send him out a champion so uh it, that's an extra in, in incentive for us and uh, no matter how many media comes out, which is great, you know, um, we're, we uh, just have to get it done on the field. But Bruce picks those kind of character guys. Is that, is that really the key? I mean, if you don't have turnover. You're picking guys. You have that locker room bonding you know, since those men. Is that, is that the key to just this team's success? Yeah, well, uh, you know, Bruce is a great coach, and, and uh, he's a great manager who, can, who, who picks a great locker room. You know, ever since I came to the team, we were an old team in 2009. A lot of veteran guys who were who who were teaching myself and 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 the rest of the young guys how to be winners, how to how to be professionals. And um, you know, now that you know, now we're some of the older guys. You know, we can now lead these young guys, and and um, so it's just uh, a testament to playing together for these six years and, 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 and building that chemistry and um, you know the coaching staff putting putting the teams together. I'm very proud to talk about, talk about my team, my teammates. Uh, we are a very experienced group. We know that and we don't get nervous in moments like that, you know. We know we have very good players and in moments like when you need the players, they are there.
So one of the interesting things that the LA players were saying there is they believe that experience was their key to get into the MLS Cup. And it is. They've had a number of players that's done at the top level in MLS and out with. And I I do think that if the Whitecaps need to to take that step to the next level, they have to look at bringing in some some experienced veterans as well as the young talent. Yeah, they need a a player here and there. not Maybe not somebody that needs to be a starter, but somebody in the dressing room. That, that can be provide experience. Like Bellucci uh, is one of the type of guys, but he hasn't really done much in the cup finals and everything like that. So maybe bring somebody in from one of those teams that in the waiver draft because some of those players are going to be available. So we'll see how everything shapes up. We're going to be back later this month with a series of round tables. We're going to do our end of year review, look back on, on the year that's been, and we'll also cover what happens in the expansion draft. So that's all for this episode, episode 86, na 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 na, of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. Steve, if you just want to let everyone know where they can find you online. Uh, you can find me um, on Twitter at, at WhitecapsBeat. Uh, my Twitter suspension is almost over, um, imposed by the better half. Um, so that's almost over. I'll be able to tweet now, and we're good to go. And I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. You can read all my stuff, AFTN on Canadian Soccer News. Get there, AFTN.ca, CanadianSoccerNews.com. I'm also the Whitecaps beat reporter for MLSSoccer.com, so watch out for my stuff on that. So as always, thanks for listening. Let's hope we have a, a very interesting and exciting December from a Whitecaps point of view. A lot more for us to talk about. And until next time, take care and mon the caps.